if you're in the space and, and this is what I've seen again in the last you know year of, of just being fully dedicated to being in the space, like you meet so many people and, and if you're really passionate in it and, and that passion is, is evident to the people you're talking with, people are more than happy to help you. Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Today, we have Andrew Campbell. Welcome, Andrew. Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Hey, Andrew. Welcome to the show. We really appreciate you coming on and uh, just really great to finally chat in person. And we always love to just get a brief background on how you uh, got into real estate. Yeah. Well, no, I'm looking forward to the conversation today. I know we've been chatting kind of virtually for a long time. So looking forward to, to finally catching up here. Um, you know, my background, I, I live in Austin, Texas, and I grew up, grew up in Austin. Um, kind of Long story short, I, I got an advertising degree from the University of Texas and was working on, uh, you know, a corporate path on the advertising agency space. Uh, I moved back. I was living out of state, moved back to Texas in kind of 2008. And my dad had some health issues. Uh, so I kind of came home to help take care of him. And you know, ended up changing careers a little bit, working more corporate uh, for Dell. And, and while I was at Dell, uh, two things happened. Uh, number one, I, I got an MBA and then kind of the light switch went on. And, and then I also started buying rental property. So that was like five or six years ago. Uh, we bought our first duplex. I had a, a friend who was kind of pushing me into it. He was a, a broker and he had five or six duplexes and, and you know, had been talking to me about it. And I'd been interested in it for a while, uh, but kind of finally jumped in. And, and then from there, just really kind of fell in love with it and to kind of tell people that, you know, it's like crack and I really got addicted to it. And we bought a, a duplex and then a month later we bought a fourplex. And by the end of the year, we bought another fourplex um, and kind of scaled that up to with my brother and I, we have 76 units that we scaled up to in about four years. Oh, it's amazing. So let's talk a little bit about, we'll say getting off the bench. A lot of people sit in the sideline and they, they learn or they're interested in it, but they just can never pull themselves to take action. How, how did you just, what, what pushed you to that first property? What, what was the driving factor? Well, you know, it was a couple of things. Um, you know, like I mentioned, my dad got sick and it was the reason I moved home. And that was, you know, a big kind of shift just for me and reevaluating life and, and kind of where I was headed at the time. I, when he got sick, I was like 27. Um, and, you know, so I'd spent five years or so, you know, working really hard in the corporate game and like, hey, I want to climb that ladder. Um, when he got sick, I started reevaluating things that, hey, I want to I get some passive income. You know, I don't necessarily want to follow the, the path he did, but he was a really successful corporate guy. Um, but, you know, a lot of stress came with that and a lot of you know, just being gone from the family. Um, so, that, so that was a big driver and sort of, you know, starting to shift my mentality. Um, I had been interested in real estate for a while. My wife jokes, like even when we, we were dating, I had a millionaire real estate investor. Like I was just reading that for fun. Um, so that was, you know, several years before I actually dove in and, and made the, made our first purchase. I think it was a combination of, of just being ready, kind of having done enough education and then really having that, that, that friend and kind of support system that, you know, here, here's a property, you know, you can go do this and I'll, I'll help walk you through it. And, you know, showing me the numbers and really having that mentor that, that I felt like, okay, like I'll, I'll do it. 
That's great. Having a mentor is key. Definitely. We definitely push that here. So would you say your friend was one of your first mentors? Oh, for sure. For sure. And he still is. And, you know, we kind of joke, you know, I made the the reference about being mad, tell him all the time, he's my drug dealer and kind of got me, got me started. And now, you know, the roles have kind of flipped a little bit, you know, as we've kind of evolved and really moved into the bigger, you know, multifamily space and looking at, at, you know, 150 plus unit deals, he still has his portfolio of kind of small rentals uh, and still active and kind of brokering those things. But now I'm kind of talking to him more about, you know, investing in these bigger properties and kind of how the benefits and the efficiencies work. And it's kind of funny, but absolutely. He's still, you know, I talk to him regularly. He's definitely one of my mentors uh, to this day. Nice. Do you have any other mentors you'd like to share? Like how do, how do your other mentors and this mentor like affect you on a day-to-day basis and where would you be without them? Uh, mentors are huge. I mean, I've got a, a, a lot of, of what I'd call mentors. You know, some of them are, are just friends that I've had for a long time. Some are, are professional, some are personal. I think, you know, stepping out, what I've done is stepping out away from my corporate job and kind of being on my own. You've got to surround yourself with, with people. I'm a social person anyway, but I think having a, a network and, and, a, and a support group that can kind of walk you through whatever it is you're going through. Hey, I'd, I'm not sure about, you know, financing, walk me through these pieces, or I'm not sure about, you know, help me navigate some new market. You know, I've got, we're, we're very active in San Antonio and that's not far from me, but I've got a couple of friends that are down there that are local that really know, you know, the, the nuances and things that, that I may not know. So, you know, even those folks I consider, you know, partners and mentors and it's, it's, it's just critical to success. Critical yeah, to success. Like it that. also breeds a natural competition where where each of you want to rise to the top and bring the others with you. So you you keep hurdling, but with the same part that you're you're trying to make the other better. And it's just it's great. So yeah, same thing with us. We've just had partners around us that have really helped us because we we see what they've done and it makes it approachable because we've seen them tackle those goals. So it's easier for us to get off the bench and, and reach where they are. So that's great stuff. We love Absolutely. It. I mean, there's the sort of cliched, you know. Uh, comment about you, you're the sum of the five people you hang out with the most. And I mean, it's not, it's, it's said a lot, but it's absolutely true. And I think it's just about constantly sort of up leveling yourself and challenging yourself to compete with, you know, the, 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 the folks that, that you're partnering with. And I mean, one of my things, and we can talk about this some, one of my favorite things about real estate is it's, it's very, very cooperative and it's much more cooperative than it is competitive. You know, like if, if you guys were, if we were all looking at a, a deal, we'd, we'd figure out a way to help each other and partner on it more than likely rather than just turn around and try to cut each other's knees out. And I like that a lot. And I think it's, you know, it, it's, it's to everybody's benefit to be out talking to one another, to, to help each other, because it's, it's a small industry, a small community, but it's, everybody wants to help each other succeed and just about getting, getting a deal done and moving on to the next one. Yes. Your success is my success. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your business. How has your business evolved now that you rapidly moved from two families, three families, and now you're buying larger assets? How has your team evolved and what are you working on currently? Um, yeah, I mean, so for my, my life has changed dramatically since you know, first buying that first duplex. I mean, that, I got into it. It was, let's learn the business and create some passive income. Um, you know, we managed all the properties ourselves and really wanted to, to learn just the fundamentals of property management, what made a good tenant, how do you rehab a property and, and got into it just really for that passive income. And I, you know, I had the vision of, I'm going to be at the beach. I'm going to be on the golf course every day. I'm you know, let's start that clock and accelerate that clock by buying rentals. Uh, you know, here five years later, 
you know, I am now full time into a position, you know, where we're, we're chasing, you know, big multifamily deals. Um, I'm, I don't have a corporate job anymore. I, I tell people like, I've never worked harder in my life. I've never spent more hours doing it, but I've never had more fun either. So it's, it's one of those. Yeah, yep, that's great. You know, excited to get out of bed every day, excited to kind of look at what's on my list and the things I need to get done today. And, um, you know, it's, it's just so much fun. So it's completely different. My life is than when I started, you know, I'm largely can work from wherever I want. You know, I'm able to, to take my kids to school, be home when the bus gets, you know, when they get off the bus, um, those things that are, are different than when I was in the corporate world. That just resonates with me. Yeah. I mean, because we talk about freedom a lot, freedom of mm-hmm. time, freedom of money. And, you know, when you're younger, you get into this business and you think about having the freedom to go golfing, to go to the beach, to lay on a beach and, you know, drink a Corona. Um, but then freedom becomes having fun in your job, being able to pick up your children, drop them off, um, go to sports. So that just what everything you just said really resonates with me. And I think it resonates with our audience. And so now as you're building out your team and you're creating more points, are you transitioning or, or I guess we haven't really touched on this much, but property management, there, people are always either pro or con. You started with it, really gave you a great foundation. How are, how are you continuing your business? So on, on our kind of what I'll call our personal rentals, um, I've turned that all over to a property manager. I've, I feel like I've learned the business and I learned I don't want to do that as a business. Um, also like that's kind of operating here on the side and really all of my focus is on going and finding good deals in this, you know, bigger syndication space. Um, on that side, you know, we we're using third party management there as well. Uh, just cause I think it, it helps us scale out our business. I think the big, the big move I made, you know, over the last year and kind of growing into the space is getting a partner. So, you know, going back to a team and sort of mentors and, and just surrounding yourself with great people, um, as, as a, we were contemplating the shift from corporate world and kind of having our rental portfolio to, and it was really my wife kind of pushing me. It's like, you're just miserable in your job. Like you have to go do this, this apartment thing. It's all you talk about. It's all you're obsessed with it. You need to go do it. So she kind of pushed me along the way and I'm super grateful for that. And, and as we were kind of going through the, that process and went, when's the right time to finally quit my job, you know, and take that leap. Um, but you know, I was, I was doing things like this, networking with people, learning, talking to people. And I found a guy that really just, it just sort of organically happened where we've, we've partnered and we've got very, very similar interests and mindsets and then very different skill sets. So we complement each other really well on, you know, what we're doing in, in kind of the day-to-day roles and, and what our, both our focus and our interests are on. And that's really allowed us to, you know, I think grow and scale and, and, and really think about this as more of a, a full-time business than just, you know, one or a project or having, having a couple of projects going. If someone was looking to jump from their corporate job into just full-time real estate investor, do you have any suggestions on timing? When would be the right time for them to do this or make their decision a little easier? Yeah. I mean, it's obviously a very personal decision and it comes back to, you know, what's your comfort level, what's your financial situation. You know, for us, I had the the backstop, if you will, of, of a decent sized rental portfolio. So we had some passive income coming in. Um, but I also just knew like, you know, back to my wife, just pushing me, this was, I had to go do this. Yeah. I just, it, it had to be done because my fire for it, my passion for it was just overwhelming everything else. And I just felt like every day I was going to work, it was taking away 
for me going to do what I really wanted to do. And since making that transition in the nine months or so it's been, it's just been an exponential return on, on the time and you know the energy I've put into the business. We're getting up back tenfold. So I, I don't think there's ever a bad time to do it. You know, you've got to get comfortable with when you can make that leap. But you know, I will never go back and you know, kind of burn the bridges on my way out. Where like this is this is the new path, and we're going to go, you know, do it and be successful. And you know, for all the things we've talked about, and, and I think really, Pilly, that you were talking about being able to kind of integrate your kids and your life. I mean, it's to me, it really is this just co- constant intersection and weaving together of you know, life and business and work, and you know, it, being able to do all that and experience all that, and and you know, work for yourself. Uh, it's just, it's so rewarding. And I think if, if you're somebody's thinking about doing it and they really have that passion for it, whether it's real estate or anything else, just go try it. You have to go, you have to go, you know, give yourself the opportunity and give yourself a window, whether it's six months or a year or whatever it is to just, you know, go, go do it. Cause I, I think if you have that much passion about something, you're going to find a way to be successful. Thank you for that. And that's congratulations, great. huge congratulations on taking that leap. That's, that's a big one. So are you happy not to be managing your own properties anymore? So happy. <laughs> so happy. Well, on that note, can you give our listeners out there some pointers on managing your managers though? Even when or, you give it... questions to ask to yeah, find the right property ask. manager. Yeah. So, you know, I think as far as managing your manager, you know, if I look at it again, kind of two separate businesses almost, we've got our, our small stuff, our multi, our duplex, fourplexes. That's really just you know, staying on top of them. And I keep a, a list of every single unit and when, when leases are expiring and what, what rents are at and kind of stay up on market rents and make sure that, that they are communicating with me, you know, when, when leases are coming up, cause I already know, but then talking about what's the plan here, you know, and, and having just an ongoing conversation at the end of the day, they're my assets and I'm kind of the asset manager what do we want to be charging for rent? You know, am I willing to stay a little bit below market because we've got a really good, easy tenant that's been there for a long time? You know, I want to avoid turnover at all costs, particularly in that, that side of the business. Um, it's, it's a relationship I started a couple of years ago. So we pulled, uh, when we knew we were going to start making this transition, we gave a couple of our properties to a property manager and said, look, we're going to kind of try you out. I've got, a, I've got this portfolio. We're going to continue to manage. Um, here's kind of your opportunity to, for us to learn a little bit about you and your management style. I think that was really helpful um, to, to number one, see if, if we liked being properties managed by a property manager. You know, at that point, we had all the control and there was, I was a little bit reluctant to give that up. But also to see how they operated as a property manager. There's, there's tons of options, you know, in any city you go to. Um, so really, just experimenting and seeing if that was a group that would operate and communicate really with in a manner that that we wanted to be communicated with. Nice. Love that. Thank you. Yeah, you weren't all in. You gave them a little piece, so it wasn't be too hard to pull back if they weren't the right fit. So yeah, yeah, advice. That's huge. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, on, on both that, that side and now, you know, on the larger side, um, you know, as we, we did a pretty thorough evaluation of you know, who did we want to use, we made the decision we were going to do third party management. Um, just again, allow us to scale a little bit more and kind of getting into that bigger space. It's not, not a, a profit center for us and not something we wanted to be, to be building at this point in time. We might, we might in the future, but you know, it was really important to us to find a property management company that understood our business. You know that that in this case, it's 
the repositioning of assets, you know, where you've got a construction component, you've got kind of just that general busyness and sort of chaos around a lot of unit turns and a lot of exterior work. So we didn't want a property manager that was just used to class A stabilized assets. You know, we didn't want a property manager that had 30,000 units where we weren't going to register. You know, so we, we went with a group that had like 5,500 units where they've got plenty of scale and we get efficiencies and they get good pricing, but we still matter. Um, and so those were the two big things we looked for. And we talked with, you know, probably three or four groups like that we seriously looked at and that I knew of just kind of being in the market and talked about, you know, what it was going to look like and talked to some of their, their other owners and references. Um, because I think it's really important making sure you've got, I mean, that's a huge part of your team. You know, as you talk about building out your team, your property manager is your, you know, the face of your company and, you know, really, and making sure that, that they were you know, professional, that they understood your business model and that they had experience and references in executing that specific model in our specific markets. That's awesome. So let, let's talk multifamily. I, yeah. Uh, we love it. You love it. We're psyched. Uh, we know you have a deal on the horizon. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what made this a good deal for you and what you're looking for and, and what your strategy is going to be when you take over the property. Yeah. Um, I'll, t- I'll talk kind of you know, high level, like what we like about you know, multifamily at large. I mean, I think it's if you look, kind of take a step back on the macro view, you know, it's we're, the U.S. is is a becoming a nation of renters. You know, feel like we're focused on that Class B space where it's you know workforce housing, average income of forty five thousand dollars. That's a, a a big pool of of good quality people that are always going to want a place to live. Uh, for the most part, it's not folks that are buying homes today, whether they don't want to, and there's an attitudinal shift towards home ownership, or they can't afford to, and there's an economic shift. Um, either way, it's it's there's a large renter pool there, um, and I don't feel like that's going away. You know whether the economy you know takes a turn for the worse or continues to to go well, this group of of this pool of of residents and tenants you know is going to continue to exist. So that's that's what we like about being in kind of that class B space. Um, I think location wise, you know, we like we're obviously focusing in Texas where where I am, um, and there's you know, great fundamentals in the major metro markets. But it's uh, we're we're buying you know kind of stuff built in the '80s, which is really good locations in town. You know they were the outskirts of town in the mid '80s, where now they're you know phenomenal locations. And so the options are come live in a community you know that we're going to look at that's relatively infill location, or you can you know move you know 15 minutes further out uh, you know to a more expensive and further out property. Um, so I think that that really works for for us and our model. Um, Specifically, you know, you referenced that we do have a deal. It's hopefully going to close next Wednesday. Uh, we had to get an extension last week, but really excited about it. And, and I think you know it checks a lot of those boxes. So you know, it's in San Antonio. It's in a phenomenal location, um, just surrounded by some new Class A stuff, some really high dense job markets, and concentrated in the in the area. Um, it was. It's got a great story. You know, I'm always leaning on my marketing background and and. What is the story of the property and how are we going to position it to residents? How are we going to position it to investors? Uh, it's been owned by a tick for the last you know, nine and a half years. Um, you know, if you know anything about ticks, they typically maintain properties, but they're kind of cheap. They don't want to upgrade them. Um, they don't, they're not spending money and investing in the property. So they, they've maintained it really well, but they haven't systematically upgraded it. So it's got 
you know, a lot of good bones, but we can come in and, and do interior upgrades. You know, we can fix up the amenity center. We can modernize the look of it. Um, it just, it checks all of our boxes there. There's easy value add programs we can put in. Uh, we're going to add a trash valet. We're going to add some reserved parking, some covered parking, build some private pet yards. I mean, if you look at sort of the the list of things you would look at as an operator for sort of easy value adds, we're able to execute four or five of those strategies here right away. That's awesome. How do you find that those strategies work? What are you doing to find that this might be a good fit for your property? Um, staying on top of the market, you know, making sure that these are things that, that are, are happening in our area and in our asset class. So, you know, the trash valet is a, a great example. As we were touring properties and kind of looking at, at other deals earlier in the year, we started to see in this kind of class B, B minus space that there were trash valets already on site. You know, and if, if you're, if the listeners aren't familiar with you know, trash valet, it's, you sit, we hire a company that you give you a, a small trash can every night. You set up your trash outside your front door and a company comes around and picks it up. So it's a great win-win for, it's a win-win for us. You know, we're able to, uh, it keeps the property clean. Uh, the trash is, is picked up every night for residents. They don't have to leave their, leave their apartment walk, you know, particularly in Texas, you know, walk a quarter mile to the end of the property and That's great. in the heat, you know, dump it in the dumpster. Um, but we were seeing that happen in these kind of B minus assets. And traditionally it's been sort of a class A uh, amenity. So we said, okay, well, I think this market is, is ready for that. And so we're now going to implement it. You know, again, talking with our property manager, they agreed we could do it, that it would, that the, that this property would support it. Um, you know, same thing for pet yards, you know, they, there are other assets in the area. They've got pet yards. They told us, you know, it's, for a, a, a 24 foot yard, it's like $75 for a bigger yard. It's $90 a month. So we, you know, constantly having those conversations about how much would we have to spend? What's the ROI and knowing what's happening you know, in your market. So I'm going to go, I'm going to take us a little bit of a step back and get a little bit of explanation on everything we're talking about for anybody out there who's just starting into multifamily. So we're talking about pet yards and we're talking about trash valets and we're talking about value adds. So what, why are you implementing these value adds to this property? What's the big reason for that? So from a you know macro strategy point of view, we want to create a, a community that has amenities that appeal to residents. You know, if you think about something that has Back to that, you know, the conversation. People aren't moving into homes as much as they were, and there's there's people. They this is their home, so we want to give them amenities that makes it feel like home. And a, a pet yard or a private yard. However, if you have a pet, and you don't want to have to take it around the corner to the pet yard. You're willing to pay for a private space. You know, basically a private little backyard. Uh, we can fence off the area. You now have a private backyard, and we can charge charge you money for it. So it gives you a benefit and an amenity you're willing to pay for as a resident. To us as an owner, it increases the the bottom line, and you know our business plan is to boost the NOI on the property. Um, those are are good easy ways to do that. And so when we look for value add strategies, it's where is there a win win? You know, we talked about the valet trash; it's a win win. We make a little bit of spread from each resident every month on the service. They don't have to take their trash to the to the dumpster. Uh, pet yards is another reserved parking. If someone's willing to pay, you know, twenty dollars to have a reserved parking place right outside their their apartment unit, that's a win win. You know, they get a reserved parking space. Maybe they've got young kids. They don't want to. You know, they always want to know they their their space is available, and it creates extra income and revenue for us. 
And that's the basis of it. It's just to boost your NOI. Correct. Yeah. Amazing stuff. We love it. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's, we have a, we run a meetup here in New Jersey. A lot of, a lot of the response uh, from people who attend is constantly can't find a deal. Don't know how to find deals and horrible time to buy. So how'd you find this deal? How'd how'd you, how'd you get in front of a, a great deal? So th- this was a marketed deal. Um, you know, it was it was fully marketed, and and there was there was a lot of competition. I mean, it was a good location, great story, great bones. Um, I it came down to you know we we ran the numbers and knew what we were willing to pay for it. We actually didn't get awarded the deal out of the shoot, so it was awarded to somebody else. Um, we were you know, disappointed. And three weeks later, they called us back and said that that buyer's ten thirty one uh, equity is, is is gone. We you know, went somewhere else. If if you're if you're still in, it's yours. And the reason they came back to us and they didn't go back to anybody else was a relationship. You know, so, so we spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time building good relationships with our, with our brokers, you know, with the community, with the title insurance guys, just everybody that's operating in our markets. Um, and so I think that's really why they came back to us. I mean, we had good terms and a good fair price, but it was, they knew we would perform, they knew we would close. And we had a real, we'd been talking with them for, a long time. I'd chased several other deals, you know, that hadn't worked out and, and, uh, just had built that relationship. We're like, okay, here it is. That's great. That's yeah. great. Thank you. Yeah. The networking is huge. Building your team out and it just shows right there. That's amazing. It's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's everything, you know, this is, it's a relationship business more than it is anything else. And, you know, if, if I look at kind of my role you know, compared to my partner, he's in LA and I'm in, I'm in Austin. We're looking at deals in Texas. Like my job is being boots on the ground. It's making sure we've got phenomenal relationships that we're seeing every deal on market and off market and you know, getting first looks at things. And that just comes down to you know, being professional, always giving feedback, you know, responding when somebody calls you, just being, being a professional and building that relationship and then doing the little things that I can do that I'm local, you know, going to lunch, playing golf, whatever it is. Um, you know, Hey, I heard this, this, did you hear about this deal over here? Well, I heard it, it, the sales price was, you know, X and kind of feeding a different, different guy information, just being, being somebody that's knowledgeable about the market and, and, and adding value wherever we can. That's, I want every, all of our listeners out there, I want you to actually stop rewind. Well, you can't really rewind, but you know, put that little marker like about uh, five minutes and listen to Andrew say the word relationship at least five times. This is a relationship business. That was, that was a huge value add right there. Thank you so much, Andrew. Yeah. Awesome. So we're talking about the market a little bit. There's a lot of talk that we're at a peak of the market. We're at a high point of the market. How do you head yourself against being at a point where sooner or later we, we may or may not have a correction coming down the pipeline? Yeah. I mean, you, you got to stay disciplined, you know, and, and make sure that, that the deals you look at are deals that work for you, you know, that you're underwriting conservatively and, and you're really meaning that. I think everybody says, Oh, I underwrite conservatively, but what sort of rent growth assumptions are you putting in? You know, what does your exit cap rate look like? It better be quite a bit higher than what you're going in at um, looking at, and, and then making sure we're, we're just the volume of deals, you know, going back to like, I want to make sure we're seeing every possible deal, because, you know, 19 out of 20 are not even going to be of interest. And then the one that is, is going to be super competitive. We're not going to be the only group looking at it, whether it's marketed or off market. Um, so I think it's really about staying disciplined and, and just patient. It's amazing. Thank you. Do you have, you have a, 
point uh, or something that's happened in your business, a learning experience, something that it, it was possibly a setback, but you learned from that you could help listeners uh, maybe avoid in their path? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if it's something anybody can avoid. Um, you know, I think it's the, the, again, sort of a cliched statement of failing forward and, and making sure you learn from, from things. And, and my partner and I talk about this a lot. You know, we, we've got this deal closing. We're super excited about it. That I mean, we we probably you know failed or lost you know four or five deals that, that we really really wanted and chased really hard that were good deals and you know we we had one that was again came down to a relationship and we just didn't have a good enough relationship compared with the broker and kind of the, some of the equity players in the background um, it was a huge learning experience we we it was a hundred and forty five unit deal. We did everything right. You know, we we were on the seller call. We were waiting for a call back to basically say you got awarded the deal, and nobody called us. And I, you know, at lunchtime the next day, I, I called them and said, "Hey, what's going on?" And I said, "Oh, well, another group came back and and upped their offer." And what had happened was the equity partner of the seller had a relationship with this other group and was feeding them information in the background, and basically told them exactly where they needed to be and what needed to happen. And, you know, it, 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 it burned us up and I was super, I, w- I mean, I was pissed. I wasn't even frustrated. I was like, this was, you know, I get it, but it's just, it's terrible. And really spurred us to kind of continue, you know, all right, we need to go double down. We can't get super frustrated. Got to go build better relationships. And some of that's just done with time. You know, some of that's just done with experiences together and, and kind of building more of that track record with them. Um, but that was something that, I mean, it was just, it was crushing at the time, but really, I think like doubled down our resolve and, and to go find the next deal and make sure that, that we're not going to get out relationship again, yeah. back to your word. That's yes. great. Yes. Your word. your word, your word. That's uh, I mean, that is a great lesson. I mean, I can, I can, I know that sting. I think all investors know that sting mm-hmm. of losing that deal, especially when you find out it's because you didn't have the right relationship. Yeah. It just goes to show you never know who you're going to, when you're going to meet the person who knows the person that you need to know. Yeah. And then following up on that, right? Like it's not just enough to get introduced to that person. You've got to go follow up and build a relationship with that person. It's just a constant chain and evolution of, of being out there and talking with people. And that, I mean, we make it sound like it's, it's tedious, but it's not. That's the, that's one of the fun things about this business is that you get to make these relationships. You get to do this. You get to make all these friends in these high level places. It's amazing. Yeah. You're you're so spot on. Like the follow-up is everything. It rarely does the first time you do something, you get the deal. It's the magical deal. It's all about the follow-up. If you're the guy who follows up on a deal that maybe just kind of lingered on for nine, 10 months, you're the guy who's going to get the deal down the road at a great price at your price. And that's, that's it. Everything. Yep. Yeah. And it, it's true on the investment side as well. You know, just think about as you guys, I'm sure too, are, are out meeting with investors. Nobody's going to give you money the first time you meet them. I mean, it takes building a relationship. They've got to know and trust you. They want to see your performance and tracker, but that all that takes time and follow up and multiple touch points. It's not a phone call and then they send you a check. You know, yeah. it's, it's many, many conversations and, and, and touch points to really build trust. Well, let's look a little bit into your future. Where do you see yourself in five years? That's, that's such a tough question. Um, <laughs> I, honestly, I, I have no idea. You know, uh, five years ago, I was I was you know an advertising guy that would just bought a fir- my first duplex. 
Um, so I, I have no clue. I, I kind of look at things more in a 12 month, 14 month time frame. Well, give us 12 uh, months. Yeah. So, so you know, over the course of say in and now and the end of next year, uh, we've set a goal of, of buying a thousand units. And I think nice. when we say that it's, um, we want the capacity and the capability to be able to execute a thousand units. If we don't hit a thousand units, we're not going to be upset because we didn't find a thousand units that made sense. You know, back to, Great. it is the end of the cycle. We need Great to be point. disciplined. Um, but I want to have enough, uh, we want to have the team in place. We want to have the relationships, the equity, the, that we're seeing enough deals that we could go execute the five or six deals that it would take for us to get a thousand units. If we execute that, we'll have another 12 month goal. Um, see and see, you know, where are we at in the market cycle? What's happening? Where are our interests? You know, I know, I know I'll be doing this business forever. You know, I know I'll be involved with multifamily real estate for the rest of my life. I don't know what capacity that's going to be. I mean, we've talked about one of the things I like about this business, you could have say 5,000 units with five people, right? You don't have to build up a huge corporate infrastructure in order to, to, to do that. Um, but you could, and you know, maybe, maybe we go and want to have a huge portfolio and build out a company and a property management and a construction wing. I don't know. Conversations we've had, we haven't made any decisions. That's awesome. Nice. Love it. Goals. So for a new real estate investor, who's just, maybe this is the first thing they've listened to. Maybe they they just had the idea that they, they were back when you started thinking about real estate. What's one actual step you can give them that they can do today to, to start moving the ball and getting into real estate? I mean, I'd say the, the preamble to all this would be education. So getting, you know, reading some books or podcasts, you know, finding, just getting educated on terms on, you know, what, what asset class you want to be and what's your strategy, what's your end goal. You know, are you trying to create passive income and you want to own single families? You want to do turnkey? Do you want to be a passive investor in a syndicated deal? Like getting an idea of, of the landscape, but then it's find a mentor you know, and picking, you know, somebody that, that is doing it and that's willing to help you and, and you can figure out how you can help them. Um, that's going to, that's going to accelerate and fast forward, whatever your goals are. And I think that you, you've got to start there, you know, you, otherwise you'll be sitting on the sidelines forever. Like you've got to have a, a support system there that can help guide you through whatever that step is you're going to go take. Do you have suggestions for finding a mentor? Um, you know, I think again, pick what's your area of interest, you know, and what, what, what do you want to be doing? And then you start looking around, you know, attend meetups. You know, you guys mentioned y'all have a meetup. That's a great place to find like-minded people, you know, going on bigger pockets is a great way to, to, to start to see who's active in the areas you're interested in. Um, and I think it's, it's reaching out to them, following up, you know, it doesn't need to be somebody that you pay money to. It can just be so reach out to and figure out how you can add value to them. Um, but I think if you're in the space and, and this is what I've seen again in the last you know year of, of just being fully dedicated to being in the space, like you meet so many people and, and if you're really passionate in it and, and that passion is, is evident to the people you're talking with, people are more than happy to help you. That's nice. awesome. Nice. So now I want to dig a little bit into Andrew, Andrew Campbell, the, the man um, what is your big why? I mean, I, you know, we talked about it a little bit. It's, it's the being able to inter integrate my life with my, my, my work and my family life. You know, when, when my dad got sick, that was, that was a big moment, you know, kind of reflection for me and, and wanting to be able to, you know, be around and help take care of him. You know, we didn't talk about it a couple of years after he got sick, my mom got sick and passed away from cancer. So it's like, 
I think that's my big why is, is being flexible in my lifestyle, you know, being able to create the, the kind of life that, you know, I can be responsive to whatever life's going to throw at you because, you know, I've seen it, it can throw things at you that you, you need to be able to deal with and financially handle and be able to take time off work. Um, but just have the flexibility and time that, you know, if I needed to go drop today and go do something for the next six weeks, I could. And that, that really is, is what got me into this whole thing and what drives me. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. What's some words you live by? Progress is the goal. You know, that's kind of the thing that I've got on my, on my whiteboard and just, you know, tattooed on my forehead, really. You know, every single day I, I can get frustrated. I'm like, I don't feel like I'm good doing enough, going fast enough. I was like, you know what? I made progress today. You know, I, I checked one thing, eight things, whatever it is off of my to-do list. Uh, and, and I made progress, you know, and that, that goes across every aspect of life. It's not just work. You know, I, I'd made progress today. That's awesome. Thank you. We could all learn that because that's, yeah. it's sometimes the hard thing is just miss, you, you miss giving yourself a moment of just, well, you made a lot of progress, especially if you look over the last year, what you've done. So, yeah. And I'm horrible at it, which is, I think why I replay that so often, you know, I, I don't stop to celebrate the wins. I don't, you know, pat myself on the back. I'm looking what's, what's the next deal? What's the next milestone? And yeah. you know what? Take a moment. It progress, progress is the goal. It's awesome. Nice. Awesome. Nice. If someone want to reach out to you, talk to you about uh, your investment horizon, to hear a little bit more about your company, where's the best way to reach you? Uh, yeah, our company, it's called Wildhorn Capital. Um, the, the website is www.wildhorncap.com. Um, my email is just andrew at wildhorncap.com. Uh, feel free to, to, to reach out to me there. I, I, I love talking real estate. Uh, I'm a junkie. I'm, a, I'm an addict. So <laughs> feel free to reach out. I'd love to love to talk with you. That's great. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for being on our show. That was so, it was amazing. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I'm glad we finally got to connect and look forward to to seeing you guys soon. Fantastic. Well, this is the REI Foundation podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you again to Andrew Campbell. And thank you again to everybody out there for listening. We're so grateful for you. Have a good day. Bye now. We appreciate you each of you listening to our show. And if you like what you hear, please go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rated review. Five stars. And give us some questions on Facebook. We'd love to have your questions answered by our guests on some of our next show. You can find us on Facebook at the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation Podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.